2: It's 9am at Sheringham Nursery in London, and the children are flowing in to say hello. How are you
1: today, Yusuf? Get your yeah.
2: And when you put this many three year olds in one room, it gets a little bit chaotic. These very young children have left the safety of their parents and families behind to come here to nursery. they will spend up to six hours of their day. And it wasn't always like this. This is the first generation of kids in the UK where the majority are spending so much of their time in education and formal care. There's probably never been a more exciting time to be a young child or a more demanding one. And that's why we're spending this episode Looking through these children's eyes. Welcome to the world of the Nursery Networkers. This is episode two of Life Changing, a three-part podcast from Tortoise in partnership with the Nuffield Foundation. For the children, Sheringham's playground is usually full of familiar faces, but I heard recently there was someone new in their midst. Tortoise reporter Claudia Williams. Claudia, what were you doing there?
3: I was basically there to um, try to blend in and to find out what these kids do every day at nursery. I wanted to know about their lives and what they think of the place, I suppose. Um, I wasn't quite undercover. In a classroom with all my recording equipment, um, undercover wasn't really an option. Do you want to go? (laughs) Nice. I was armed with a list of names, the children that I had permission to record, and I was specifically looking for the kids with duck stickers, but it turned out that children aged between three and five years old do not respect either uh, parental permission forms or the animal sticker system because within genuinely one minute, I was surrounded by a sea of children running towards me, caps, backpacks, everything, wearing every single different kind of sticker and some having taken their stickers off. Are you going to be
4: here still? Yeah, I'm going to be here all day. All day? Yeah. I'm
3: going to be here. One of those kids was Yusuf, who was a bouncy little boy who was immediately chatty. He was wearing a baseball cap. He noticed the microphone straight away. And absolutely wanted to get involved.
4: I'm going to to You're stay. going to forest school. Can you
3: tell me what you do there?
4: I've climbed a tree. That's my favorite park.
3: You climbed a tree? That's really cool. And do you see animals?
4: No. Do you see insects? Yeah, and spiders.
3: Do you like spiders?
1: Yeah.
4: But I'm scared
3: of them. Yeah, me too. But they, you can still like them and be scared of them, can't you?
2: As you've heard from the previous episode, we're also covering some landmark research by the Nuffield Foundation about early childhood and how it's changed over the past couple of decades. So let's welcome back the lead author of the report, Kerry Oppenheim. Kerry, what do we know about nurseries? How important are they? so we know this period of life
0: is such a critical period for children's development and they're developing in so many different ways the physical development their social and emotional skills and obviously their their learning communication and language and nurseries play a vital role improving and enabling children to develop those skills and we have lots of research evidence to show that it has an impact on not only when children are young but well into their adult
2: lives. Mm. And what's changed particularly over the past couple of decades? Are more children going to nurseries in different forms now?
0: Yes, most children are experiencing some kind of formal early education or childcare and we've seen a really big expansion in services
2: over the last 20-25 years. And what kind of state are nurseries in at the moment? Well, many
0: nurseries are really under severe pressure, and that is in part because of funding. And we can see that if you look internationally, we have lower spending in relation to, say, the European Union average or the OECD. And we've also seen that under COVID, fewer children are attending nursery. And that then puts pressure on those people who are providing that nursery care because they're not getting the same funding in.
3: That's partly why I visited Sheringham. Like many nurseries, Ofsted has rated them outstanding. But they're also in an area of East London with pretty high levels of child poverty. And Kerry, am I right in thinking That means you get quite big inequalities between the kids' education levels. That's right. So if you're from a poor background,
0: on average, young children are already four and a half months behind other children
3: by the time they get to the end of the first year of primary school. It's really interesting to hear you say that, actually, because I spoke to Sheringham's head teacher, Julian Grenier, and he told me at their nursery, um, the kids and kind of those in the broader area, so Newham, they actually break that pattern.
1: What's very exciting about working here in Newham is that our school system here doesn't show that sort of impact of disadvantage. By the end of reception, they're doing really well. By the end of primary they're doing better than the average child in England.
3: And is that just children is that children all of Newham or is that specifically children that come to Sheringham?
1: So that is children who come here, but it is also true of of Newham overall. It's also true of Tower Hamlets overall. It, It is an incredible achievement.
3: So the question for us really is what makes Sheringham successful? And one reason might be that they are what is called a maintained nursery school, which basically means they're funded by the local authority.
1: These schools were set up in poor areas of England, many of them in the 1970s. In fact, when Margaret Thatcher was Secretary of State for Education. So the mission is all about supporting disadvantaged children to get the very, very best start to their education. And we have qualified teachers working with the children. So there's a big investment in those highly qualified staff here in the nursery school.
0: Well, that big investment in the workforce is a very important part of quality. And that's what the research shows that it's associated with improvements in how children develop. And it is true that maintained nursery schools tend to have more qualified staff. And then that's reflected in the kinds of Ofsted
3: ratings that they get. So with all this in mind, what is an average day at Sheringham like?
1: So children start arriving at 8.45am. They pick up a kind of lanyard with their picture on it and give it to their key person as a way of saying, I'm here. Children then get a badge to put on. And then the first thing children do after all of that is they brush their teeth.
5: Listening, put your toothbrush up so I can see if you have it. Does everybody have their toothbrush?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we know that here in Newham, children suffer much more from tooth decay than the average child in England. We see kids under five having teeth extracted, sometimes even all their teeth extracted in hospital, which is really horrific for them. After they brush their teeth, they then have a lot of choice in our play-based early years curriculum. So the children can choose who they want to play with, where they want to play. A lot of our children are growing up in very cramped housing conditions. So outdoor play, the space to run, to learn to ride a bike, to swing, to climb to experience nature, that's a big part of what we do too. So there's children can play outside pretty much as much as they want to here. Most of our kids are learning English as an additional language, so there's a very strong focus on sharing books, stories, rhymes. And then the session ends after tidying up with what we call key group time, which is when the children come back together. There will be a story, there'll be a song, and then they head off home.
3: I think it sounds like a
1: really lovely day. <laughs> I hope so.
3: So I'm in the playground at Sheringham and I'm watching other kids play, pouring water into watering cans. Hello. They've got a jungle gym, there's a slide with a sand pit. Oh and there's a little den, there's a secret den behind some bushes in the corner. And this is just one side of it, I mean, it's kind of magical. As I was touring the playground, I spotted a familiar face. Oh hello Yusuf, we're we're almost face to face, look how high up you are. Should we go climbing? he was keen to take me up to the treehouse. You have to climb over. Okay, is that what you have to climb over? Which was actually a bit of a struggle while carrying all of my recording equipment.
4: Put one knee over, now the other one. But be careful of that tree branch.
3: Is this your special treehouse? Yeah. Yusuf's special treehouse is really just a wooden platform in the corner of the playground. Let's get out. Oh, we've only just got in. And once I got down, he stayed up there.
4: Let's measure our heights.
3: Okay, let's measure our heights, I think. Oh, you're way taller than me! Way taller than me, me, Yusuf!
4: I'm really tall. I'm like 90 years old. But I'm 4 years old. So how old are you? Guess. 80. 40.
3: No, (laughs) I'm 29.
4: 29? That's my door number. Is it? Yeah, 29.
2: Kerry, one of the first things we heard was the kids brushing their teeth. And I suppose I want to ask, is this generation more or less healthy?
0: So if you look over the last 20 years, uh, young children's health has actually improved. But we see some of that improvement stalling, and we also see big inequalities. Inequalities by your socioeconomic group, but also by ethnic minority groups and also by region.
3: The teeth brushing struck me as well. And the other thing that I noticed is that there is this massive wall of ivy. And what I didn't realise until it was pointed out to me was the that is a a health decision as well. They have to have that there because of the pollution around the nursery. They have to have the ivy to make sure that outdoor air quality is good enough for the kids. So
0: that's interesting because when we were doing our, our health report, we found that this issue about the quality of the air and respiratory health, we don't really know very much about it and that's going to become an increasing issue given climate change and all of those things.
2: So there's already a a whole set of challenges for children in, in areas like Newham. We can't have this discussion really without thinking about COVID and the consequences of that and we're still really trying to pick our way through them. What effects do you think it's had and do you think these kids are going to be playing catch up with their development? Absolutely,
0: many children have fallen behind on all their different kind of aspects of development. So whether that's um, their physical health. So for instance, obesity has really taken a big leap for that, that age group. Or whether it's their learning, in particular their communication and language. And then we also see big increases in, in inequality. So for some children, they've fallen further behind. So a big task is how we can help them to catch up.
2: So these kinds of play at nursery, they seem, you know, joyous. You might imagine they're trivial, but actually they're really important, aren't they?
0: Incredibly important. And I think... As you listen to the children play and chat to each other, and with the with the staff, you just get a sense that they're really developing these very different sorts of skills. They're learning to share. They're learning to kind of get into the treehouse, and they're kind of managing their emotions and and their conflicts with each other. And those are such important skills. They're important when you're two, three, four, five,
2: but twenty nine. Important- <laughs> oh, 29, 40, or 80. Did you manage to get into that treehouse, Claudia?
3: I did, but it was genuinely quite tough. Um, <laughs> and that's why I did get out quite quickly. I was worried about that.
2: Getting stuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, did you see examples of the kids learning these kinds of skills of sort of playing, negotiating, cooperating with each other?
3: Yeah, yeah, the whole time. I think at any point outside, you could see, you know, these things just happening in front of you. And one of the things that really struck me actually was with counting I had I think three different times when a child just spontaneously wanted to count to me
4: 16, 12
3: you know just that kind of thing that kind of processing and learning out loud and kind of showing you what they've been learning and there was this one instance when I was speaking to one child
4: My name's Claudia, nice to meet you my brother
3: did her school. Your brother's at school? Yeah. And what's your favourite thing to do with
4: your brother? What? What's your favourite thing to do with your brother? I catch bees with my you brother. Ca- you catch bees? With my brother.
3: And while I was interviewing Radha, along came Yusuf uh, to basically do my job for me and to do it better than me. We
4: outside with your microphone? Yeah, inside outside. I'm just talking to Rata. Tomorrow is my um, birthday. Are you three years old? Yeah, i three years old. Well, it was already my birthday, but now it's not my birthday anymore. Do you celebrate your birthday, Rata?
3: And there was also a moment of quite high drama between two children at the crafting table.
4: What's your name? I just told Ooh. you my name. I didn't hear it. Can you tell me again? It was horrendous. Hooray. I'm Aisha.
3: These two were a real microcosm of the highs and lows of being friends aged three.
4: Aisha's making me hide under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to go home and go to Aisha's house.
3: Aisha and Hoorain were very keen to tell me that they are the best of friends, um, and their friendship seems to involve a lot of gift making and actually a lot of secrets with some varying success. You're making something for Aisha. Yeah. What are you making her?
4: This is secret. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't find googly eyes like this one.
3: Okay to the untrained artistic eye. It appears to be an empty tissue box covered in glitter and with some googly eyes stuck on. That's a hat. That's a hat. That's Can I come with you when you go to show Aisha?
4: Um, Aisha, oh. Oh. the rain. Aisha, did you make that for me? Aisha,
3: do you like this? Unfortunately, Hurain didn't quite get the response from Aisha that she expected for this gift that she'd so lovingly made over a period of quite a long time and I did later see it in the pile of things that they've made that day to take home and it had Hurain's name on it, not Aisha's so I think probably Hurain was keeping that for herself
2: I don't know, it all sounded a bit like the newsroom to me (laughs) unpredictable demands, raised voices, a few tears
3: I think you might be right luxury quality within reach go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com style so i was a first-hand witness to this tiny soap opera as you say but it also gave me quite a good idea of what effect nursery was having on the kids development and actually, it wasn't just from looking at the kids and watching them play and kind of interact together. It was also from speaking to some of the adults there.
5: Oh, hello, I'm Lucina. I'm, I'm Aurora and Leo's mum. If you want a child that will talk and talk and talk and talk, Leo is your mum. Okay. And if you want to start the conversation, talk about Hoovers and I promise you, you get no, hours of content out of it, I promise you, I'm not even exaggerating, talk to him about He's behind you there. Leo, would you like to meet Cordia? Hello, nice to meet you. And she's thinking of buying a new Hoover. Which one do you think she should buy? A
4: heavy Hoover.
5: Yeah,
4: is Henry Hoover your favourite? A heavy Hoover. What's on his head? It's
5: a black motor unit.
4: A motor unit? A
5: head of And he loves them so much. He's, he smuggles sand from the sand pit into his shoes to go home so he can tip it on the floor and hoover it.
3: <laughs> Together with his twin sister Aurora, Leo can quite clearly be a bit of a handful. And because they're twins, they arrived at Sheringham at the nursery on the same day at the same time.
5: Before I moved here, they didn't really go out and socialise much, so when they started here, I wasn't sure how well they'd adapt to socialising with lots and lots of children. And I was really pleasantly surprised that they got along really, really well, so. That was a relief for me because I was worried about the, you know, what effect it was having on them. How often do they come? Every day from 1 till 3, kind of, with picking up and dropping off of me. My... Have you noticed a difference in your teeth since they started? Absolutely, yeah. Um, they've developed a lot more coordination and they talk to me a lot more, so I've, I've gotten to know them a lot better as well. That's actually really nice, Leo. It looks like a little chick came out of its egg and it grew all its
4: feathers.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Kerry, kids at Sheringham are in a really well-funded, beautiful environment, but obviously this is only one side of the story of nurseries. What's the overall picture?
0: Well, there's a good deal of variation between nurseries. And also their quality. So this is a maintained nursery school, Sheringham. And, and that means it's local authority funded? It's ma- that's right. And those types of nurseries tend to have staff with higher qualifications and tend to be higher quality in terms of the outcomes that they get for children. But I think it's also true to say that there's some very good quality in some of the private voluntary sector and in independent nurseries. And although those qualifications are really important, it's also, you know, what goes on inside the nursery? What's what's Mm -hmm. the actual, how are staff interacting with the kids? And what's the quality of that experience?
2: That's also important as well as Qualification And just what's the balance between private nurseries and maintained?
0: Yes, yeah, so I think people would be surprised to hear that around half of childcare places are in private nurseries and only a fifth are in state-maintained nurseries or schools. And the rest is provided by this voluntary and
2: independent sector. Do parents get any help paying for it or do they just have to swallow the cost? So it is pretty complex. I'll try and
0: explain it very mm. briefly. So all three and four-year-olds are entitled to 15 hours free childcare a week and for those whose parents actually are in work they can get up to 30 hours so long as they're not on an income above £100,000 a year. If you're a parent say of a two-year-old then you're entitled to 15 hours free childcare if you fall into a disadvantaged category. There's also help with the cost of childcare You can get up to 85% of your costs paid if you're on universal credit, say. And there's also tax-free childcare. So it is a complicated system and very hard for parents to navigate. I
2: was going to say, do you think that most parents understand that? And does that have an impact on the take-up? It must have an impact on the take-up. And I think, you know, also
0: if you've got children of different ages, you know, then you've got one child entitled to one sort of entitlement and the other child to a different entitlement. So we do know that while the take-up of the universal three and four-year-old entitlement is very high, nine out of ten children are getting it, that take-up of the two-year-old offer, which is for disadvantaged children, is much lower and has got much lower also since
2: COVID. That sounds like a worrying thing to know. It
0: is worrying because actually it's the children who most need and would probably most benefit from good early years education and childcare, who are least likely to take it up. Whether that's by region or by socioeconomic group or ethnic group, there are real gaps in the take-up.
2: And did you feel like you discovered new things in your research that will help inform that debate?
0: Well, I think there are different reasons for why people might not be taking it up. So it's both about the complexity that we've talked about, but it's also they may not be in work or they may, as a result of COVID, also just got out of the habit of sending their child for childcare. So, or it may be that they don't see it's for them. So it's a kind of complex mix. But what we'd like to be able to do is to increase the take up, particularly where we think that that would be beneficial for the children.
2: Okay, so we've really learned a lot about nurseries, and we're moving on with the day at Sheringham. Claudia, just bring us up to date. What's going on?
3: So, at this point, the morning group has gone, and the afternoon group of kids have arrived. So back outside, and the bikes are out, which is really cool. Everyone's riding around on their bikes. Although there are some familiar faces who stay for the whole day. Here comes Yusuf on the bike. Yusuf, can I ask you a few questions, Yusuf? And what you can hear there is the sound of Yusuf pretending to come up to me, skidding up, leaning to speak into the microphone and then zooming away as fast as possible. Just got buoyed by a three-year-old again. Meanwhile, back inside, it is time to say goodbye to some very special guests. So in the corner of one of the classrooms, there is a cage, and inside that cage are four very small, very sweet, actual, genuine ducklings. And these ducklings have been class pets for a while, I believe since they were eggs, but not for much longer.
5: Today we are going to do something a little bit special, a little bit different. We are going to say goodbye to our little ducklings today because they are going back to the farm.
3: This isn't a euphemism. These ducklings are actually going back to a farm.
2: Thank goodness for that.
5: Are we going to miss them? Yeah, yeah we are. We've enjoyed having them, haven't we? We've enjoyed watching them grow. Were they always a little duckling? Yeah. Yes. You think they're going to turn into chickens?
3: Yeah. So to say goodbye, um, the kids are all sitting in a circle while one of the staff takes the ducklings from the cage into the middle where they've set up a paddling pool and the paddling pool's got a slide in it. And the ducklings are put in the water and they're swimming, they're ducking under the water. Um, The kids are so excited. (laughs) There is genuine delight in the room. The ducklings look entirely unfussed.
2: It's pretty obvious the children are learning tons of social skills at a nursery. But a lot of parents have concerns about how much time their children are spending in formal education and a bit of guilt, I think, really. It sort of left me asking, you know, are we all just in a giant experiment here? Well you've landed on an issue that's quite controversial
0: but the evidence is pretty clear that actually good quality early education and childcare really makes a difference to how children develop through their lives but i think it you know we don't actually know what the ideal number of hours of childcare should be but there's so many issues actually about not enough children sort of actually taking up quite low levels of entitlement, that I would think that's what we need to focus on.
2: Next time. That's it. (laughs) In the final episode of Life Changing, we
1: absolutely work with the family until the job is done.
2: We're visiting the front lines of state support for families and young children.
1: So they help us as well. They
5: help to come out from the depression.
2: To get to grips with the massive issues of poverty and inequality that affect them. For
5: most of our parents, the current issue is with housing.
2: And to learn exactly how the government is leaving them high and dry. Life Changing is a tortoise podcast in partnership with the Nuffield Foundation. It was produced by Phil Sansom, reported by Claudia Williams, and presented by me, David Taylor, with special thanks to Kerry Oppenheim. If you've been enjoying this series, please do leave us a review or recommend us to a friend. We'll be back next week for the finale.